When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keaton and joining me this morning are Mark Jones and Rich Jones as we look over the remaining days of the January transfer window. Um, Chaps, we were just speaking off there about how underwhelming it has been so far, but that's not to put people off listening to this one. We have got plenty to talk about with less than a week to go until the transfer window. It looks like that some clubs are finally starting to kind of shape up and look like they might be in for a busy few days or so. Mark, we're going to start with uh, yourself in Newcastle this morning. Again, there was a lot of talk heading into the window about um, excitement almost, I'd say might be the right term, given that their new owners, how rich they were and and the upgrades that we were expecting to the Newcastle squad. So far, it's only been Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood that we've seen come through the door at St. James's Park, but we are expecting plenty of uh, reinforcements to, to come in between now and, and the window shutting on Monday. Um, Latest name to be linked with a move to Newcastle is Jesse Lingard. Um, Mark, he seems to have been linked with quite a few clubs in this window. Obviously, West Ham, I think Nice are sniffing around him as well. But Newcastle was a name that's come up previously when we talked about Jesse Lingard and it's and it's coming up again now with, with less than a week to go in the window. Yeah, it just kind of fits, doesn't it, really? Um, you know, he's probably someone who, what we are now, the, the 25th, and you'd, you'd probably have thought he'd have gone somewhere by now, given that given that he's um, into his last uh, sort of few months of the contract at Man United and we saw what he did at West Ham last season and, and I think a lot of us expected maybe him to go there in the in, in the summer because I think was it Solskjaer um, sort of said to him he promised him he was going to get some games and it never happened. So um he he needs he needs to move on. He needs he needs a club and uh you you'd almost think well he probably doesn't fancy a, a relegation battle, but but the longer it gets towards the end of the window, and he wants to go somewhere, go somewhere to play football, because you know it's a, what I think. What is he about twenty eight now? It's, it's it's a short career football, and and he has got the potential to be you know one of the the sort of major names who's available on a free transfer um, for Premier League clubs in the summer. So if he goes somewhere for six months, if he plays well for Newcastle, then he could have you know no disrespect to Newcastle, but he could have he could have kind of clubs up the, up the other end of the table thinking it wouldn't be a bad uh, idea for a free transfer. So um, I think it's very much in his interest to go and uh, whether or not he's perhaps been holding out for West Ham and, and you know, to go back there because he did so well. But the longer, you, you imagine, the longer and longer it gets to the end of the window, the more chance that has of happening because, um, you know, we know Newcastle have got money and, and United are probably thinking, well, uh, you know, we can get a decent loan fee for him because he's going to go but nothing in the summer anyway. So, um, yeah, the longer it goes on, the more chance you think it's a, a decent chance of that one. Rich, is he the kind of player that Newcastle need at the moment? You look at the squad and the makeup, and, and there's one player in that Newcastle squad that I can kind of see that's not perhaps as talented as, as Lingard is at this moment in time, but I'm seeing 
parallels between him and possibly Joe Willock and in kind of the style and what they might bring and how they might do. So it, it could be an upgrade at least on the squad. But in terms of his temperament as well and his characteristics and what he'll bring, um, is he what Newcastle need in this relegation fight? Um, I mean, it's hard to say because I suppose we haven't seen him in that situation for a long time. But I think, you know, if you'd have asked me before the West Ham loan move, if he was the sort of player they need, I'd have maybe questioned it. But obviously he went to West Ham and he sort of really hit the ground running and, and did great for them last season. And I know it's sort of a different situation. Obviously, West Ham seemed a good fit for him at the time. But I think, um, like you say, he definitely added a bit of quality. And, you know, the, the way Newcastle is set up and the money they've, they've spent with sort of trip and stuff like that, I think they'll... They'll continue to sort of be relatively relatively solid, but they, they want a bit more quality in the final third, I guess. And we know that Lingard, like he, he contributed so many goals and assists last year at West Ham. So I think, um, yeah, it would probably be an upgrade. I mean, th- they've got so many areas of the squad they're looking to upgrade that it's hard to really prioritise certain areas. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're a Newcastle fan, you certainly wouldn't be, you know, turn your nose but the chance to get Lingard involved, even if it is in a sort of relegation scrap because, you know, he's got the sort of quality that will probably win you points. And I think we've said a lot that you look at that end of the table and then it's probably only going to take sort of a, a string of, you know, three or four or two or three results to sort of get you a bit of breathing space down there, the way, uh, the way the sort of bottom five are at the minute. So, you know, we know that Lingard's got the talent that he could probably, you know, pick up a lot of those points almost, almost on his own with some moments of, of magic if he, if he hits form. So, you know, I think he's probably going to be a good addition if they can get that one over the line. Mark, when you open the newspapers today or when you look on the websites, you'll see a couple of other names are being linked with Newcastle in Eves Basum and Deli Alley. So clearly midfield is a area of the pitch that they're looking at and trying to definitely going to try and improve uh, before the window shuts on, on Monday. Um, and if you look at that midfield, it is, I know we've spoken you know previously on the show about they need more goals in attack or they need someone to, to provide good backup to Callum Wilson. Oh, and they also need a good defence as well because they're shipping them. But one place that we really probably haven't talked too much on this show is about midfield. But again, you look at that and the quality just isn't there. You know, they've got good players, but players that aren't capable of producing that decent form on a, on a regular basis. They're inconsistent, really. Um, yeah, I think John Linton's had a good season, hasn't he? Obviously, since moving back there, but I know he got into it the weekend, so there's probably a bit of a concern around him. I still, we 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 need to be a little bit wary of of kind of running before we walk with Newcastle. You know, we. They just need to stay up this this season, and and yes, their midfield. Okay, it could use improvement, but but is it is it better than you know some of the teams they're scrapping out at the bottom? It's at least as good as you know a, a Watford or a Norwich or or Everton. So um, they they probably could do with, with with one or two more, but but you know I mean someone like Pesuma who has been linked with the really, the very top clubs in the, in the country, hasn't he? And I'd be surprised if if he took that move from Brighton and went there now. Um, maybe in the summer it's a, it's it, it's an idea because you could you could see that being someone they really built a team around. So um, I'd be you know again looking at Deli Ali. I mean is he is 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 it the right move for him at this point? Um, the the signings of of Trippier and of Wood uh, certainly well, Wood in particular you know it got a little bit of sort of mockery didn't it? But they they look to me to be perfectly good signings for the situation that Newcastle are in and and Eddie Howe seems to be you know, approaching it. In, a, in, in, in the right sense, we all got very excited when Newcastle takeover happened and we linked them with everyone. But that's not going to happen yet. And, and you know, they just need to make sure that they've got, they've got enough to stay up. And I actually think they will, to be honest. I think the, the more and more 
the more and more I think about it. I know they've got a really good win against Leeds as well at the weekend. And I just I just think they've got enough to um certainly they're certainly not as you know not as bad as, as, as sort of three of the teams down there. So um they need one or two more, yes, but I don't think I don't think you'll see a real map on um between now and next week. Rich, a couple of other names that we've said that have been linked with Newcastle are Diego Carlos, a centre-half from Sevilla, and, and Duvin Zapata. Um, we've seen this apparently agreed person in terms of whether or not they can thrash out a deal with Atalanta for him remains to be seen. But regardless of who Newcastle do bring in between now and Monday, and regardless of how many players it is, if it is, you know, three, four, five, the issue for Eddie Howe isn't so much, oh, I've got the quality now, it's about how he gets that team to gel so quickly, and they need to hit the ground running these signings, don't they? Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Mark said about sort of walking before you can run, and I think it's it's the same for Newcastle's perspective as well. It's a bit of a weird stopgap window because obviously when the takeover happened, they didn't have the the money to sort of spend spend a huge amount in the summer. So they're in this weird little stopgap net where you've got players in January that if you're a player, I mean, I know that we've we've talked about Lingard. I know it's been reported that he's sort of more keen on a loan move rather than a permanent deal. Um, we talked about Deli Ali as a loan move and. Obviously, there's, there's a few of the guys that you just mentioned, Diego, Carlos, Zapata, that they're sort of looking at. But it's one of those where, as a player, if you're, um, unless your situation's like really bad and you desperately need to go, like you, you'd probably be more inclined to just sort of wait until the summer. You, you know, you can be patient with Newcastle. You can wait six months, check, they, see what happens with them, see if they get relegated, and then sort of look to join the project then. So I think it's going to be next year they really look to kick on. And it's sort of a weird stopgap, isn't it, where they need to get players over the line almost. Just, just to try and keep them up. I mean, Diego, Carlos, Zapata. I mean, they're going to be, they're the sort of players that you'd like to think they'll be trying to convince them to to join the project early and be a big part of it moving forwards. But you know, other players that they're looking at are just, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. You'd imagine. I think, I, I think it was reported with um, Trippier that there's sort of there's going to be um, relegation clauses in contracts and things like that, and. I think that's where that win the other day against Leeds will really sort of help them because obviously their their position there looks a little bit healthier than it did at the, at the start of January. And um, yeah, obviously they'll be able to sort of throw a bit of money around and try and convince people. But it's a tough sell, isn't it? Because if you can just wait six months and, and hopefully go there when, when they've got a bit of a fresh start in the summer, it's um, probably a preferable situation as a player. And I think that's obviously one, one of the problems that Newcastle have, have found themselves having at the minute. Mark, Jesse Lingard looks like he is on his way out of, of Manchester United this month, potentially online. But one player that we do definitely think is on his way out uh, is Anthony Martial. It's not been confirmed as yet as we record this, but um, by all accounts, he's, he's off to Sevilla today on, on Tuesday to go and kind of dot the I's, cross the T's um, on, on this deal, on this loan deal. Um, and it seemed to... Uh, Slightly strange one. If you said to me last week that it was going to happen, yes, we probably all expected it. But the way that Ralph Rangnick spoke on the Saturday after he came off the bench and, and kind of really turned the game against West Ham in Man United's favour, um, and he spoke so glowingly about it, you kind of thought, oh, hang on here, he might just about have a Man United career left to hang on to. But um, yeah, he's, he's on his way to Sevilla for the rest of the season um, and he's probably going to play in his favoured striker position down there for him. Yeah, it's funny. I saw a, I saw a tweet on Saturday afternoon. I wasn't I wasn't watching the game, but I was following what whatever the scores were, and he was about to come on. And the tweet was basically, "Wouldn't it so so Man United if he came on and scored the winner?" Because it just would have it would have muddled things up even more, you know. And he's he's obviously been so, you know, unhappy there for a while. He's wanted that chance through the middle. He is a player who has quite often flattered to deceive, but you know, he's had he's had his moments inside, and I always think he's one of those players that whenever he. Whenever he was playing well, you 
perhaps people went a little bit overboard with him and 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 you know said he was he was the answer to to all of their prayers and all these different things. He was never that, but he in in this new Man United of Ronaldo Cavani, obviously, and then the emergence of Greenwood, Rashford, who should be there for all of his career, he's going to be squeezed out, and and it's 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 better off for him to move. Um, you never got the idea that Sevilla were were top of his list of, of where to go. Um, I'm sure he probably was looking elsewhere, but but hopefully they'll give him a chance to to play, um, and 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 he can show what he can do because there's a talent there, but. Um, whether or not it's an attitude thing, whether or not it's a, it was often a fitness thing with him, wasn't it? So um, he just looks to be a, a kind of a, a, a casualty of, of a of ever changing Man United. But look, I'm the first one to criticise their decisions a lot in, in 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 the past, but this one just seems to me to be one that makes sense. Anthony Martial might be a striker that is heading to La Liga, but Arsenal, Rich, they're looking to bring one in from Spain. Uh, Alexander Isaac of Real Sociedad looks to be uh, Arsenal's new flavour of the month for their attacking options. Um, they had been chasing Dusan Blavic. Uh, it now looks like he's going to be joining Juventus this month if he is to move. Um, so Arsenal have now switched their focus to the Swedish striker, Isaac Rich. Um, and I suppose... It, it kind of you look at the, the makeup of them and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well is a name that's also been linked with Arsenal that you look at Blafich you look at Isaac you look at Calvert-Lewin they've all got one thing in common uh, very good very decent in the air so you can kind of see where Mikel Arteta is trying to go with his uh, striking options yeah absolutely I mean obviously they're, they're keen to sort of grade on Alexander Lacazette who I think is probably likely to be to be leaving at some stage in, in later down the line and um, yeah they've obviously got a lot of options but I think they're finding aren't they how tough it can be everyone always talks about how tough it is to do business in January and I think that's exactly the situation they find themselves in you've got sort of Lahovic who you know looks like he could be going to Juventus but has always sort of seemed to be happy to sort of wait until the move he wants comes around in the summer you've got you know we talk about Calvert-Lewin. I imagine it'll be hard to convince Everton, Everton to sell at the minute, given the situation there. And, um, and then obviously Alexander Isaac as well. So it's obviously a tough window, but you know they've got so much young talent in the attacking areas at Arsenal. Um, you know he can put a good ball into the box and and make things happen. That they they just need someone to be getting on the end of things really. But um, yeah, they've got um, obviously a lot of targets like we talked about. I think obviously it's all been about Dusan Vlahovic and and things like that, but. I think all the noises we've been hearing around that transfer, it might be one that Arsenal are kind of, well, I don't think they'll ever be glad it doesn't come off because he'll probably go on to have a really good career elsewhere. But when it was all being talked about, you listened to all the noises around it and it was, you know, he's not convinced by Arsenal, his agents want a huge fee, like Arsenal are offering him huge money to try and blow other clubs out of the water and he never really sounded convinced on a move to the Emirates. So, to me, it just it screamed one of those transfers that they were going to pay over the odds for, and it, his heart wouldn't be in it, and it maybe wouldn't be the best move for either party. So, I think he'll probably go to you know Juventus or someone like that that he, he's more keen to go to, and probably do really well. And Arsenal will be thinking, oh, why couldn't we sign him? But I think ultimately, if, if it's not something that he felt was the right move for him, it probably wouldn't have wouldn't have paid off. But obviously, it leaves them now in a tricky position to try and. Um, to try and see who they can get before the window closes. We mentioned sort of Calvert-Lewin, Isaac, obviously Calvert-Lewin sort of 
a proven Premier League striker, got plenty of experience, but he's been out, out injured for quite a lot of the season. And when strikers a position where you sort of really want to hit the ground running at a new club, it'd be a tough one for him to come in January. I think I, I struggle to see Arsenal managing to sign Calvert-Lewin this window. So, yeah, they might have to look elsewhere. They might have to look at sort of stopgap solutions. Obviously, you've got sort of Martinelli who can play a little bit centrally. They've got Nketiah who sort of keeps getting cameos and things like that. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Arsenal end the window from a, a striker perspective because it's certainly an area that they they all seem to be keen to address. Mark, does it make Arteta look a little bit silly in the way that they're going to miss out on Vlahovic potentially? He gave it so much of a big talk earlier in the window um, about how Arsenal can still attract, you know, the best players in the world. And as Rich touched on there, Dusan Vlahovic isn't at that level yet, but he still wasn't convinced by a move to Arsenal. He'd still rather go to to Juventus and they've missed out on that player. Um, it, 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 you know, we always talk about managers and comments coming back to bite it, but this one looks to potentially bite Arteta on, on the on the bum a bit. And and as well with the way that he's dealt with the striker situation in in dropping Aubameyang, his captain. You know, I know he wasn't having the greatest of seasons, but you know, he's, he's still a striker that a lot of clubs around Europe might be interested in if his wage demands weren't as particularly high as they are, and probably blocking a move really away from the Emirates this January. Um, but it. it yeah, it just seems that these comments that Arteta came out with and the little smirk that he had when he was doing it as well, when he was asked previously about Vahovic, that the almost finger-esque smirk that suggested that something was close. I mean, it, 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 he now looks daft, I think, in my opinion. That might just be because I'm a biased Spurs fan, but but, but what do you make of it? Um, I see where you're coming from. I think he, he had, he probably sensed a real chance to show his authority and show... So what is he now two years into the job? And, you know, he's still quite a young manager. And we do sometimes see signs of progress with his team, but then we other times we just see the same old problems. So he seems to have had a red card every game for the last three or four weeks, don't they? Um, so he probably sensed the real chance to, right, here we go, this is my team. And I think what happened with Aubameyang was basically, it was almost like, right, he sensed the chance now. It was probably, you know, yes, okay, he was late for a meeting, whatever it was, and it was the however many times he's done it. But I think he's not doing that if it's, you know, uh, someone who's more important to the sort of long-term future of Arsenal, which we know Aubameyang isn't. So whether or not he just thought, right, uh, here's my chance, ship him out, get someone in. The problem is, as you've said, he's on so much money, he's hard to get rid of, and footballers are hard to buy quite a lot. And, and, um, and yeah, the Vyavich situation looks to me a little bit like Arsenal have been used a little bit. In terms of, you know, the, you know, they've probably been given a bit of encouragement about, you know, you, you've got a chance to sign him. But I mean, I think in in Serie A, it's it's quite quite common for a lot of the players to go between the top sides, isn't it? And whether or not this this Juventus move has been lined up for a while, it strikes me as a move that the player clearly has wanted all the way through. So, um, on the other options, Calvert Lewin is one that I think is an interesting one. Yeah, I think Rich is right; it won't, it won't happen now, but but in the summer. Um, you've got to look at whatever whatever state Everton are in then, and maybe he fancies any challenge. Um, Isaac is someone who I've seen play actually before in Spain, and he's he's clearly got something about him, but he's only young. And and you know, do you want to sort of chuck him into that situation now? So they've left themselves with a bit of work to do in this last week because they do need a striker. Lacazette, I don't think wants it anymore, and he'll be he'll be gone. He'll be gone in the summer, won't he? So and clearly they have no desire to play a family anymore. So. So yeah, Arteta has left himself really, really vulnerable at a time when, 
you know the top four race is fairly open, isn't it? You know, I think we're all we're all fairly we're all fairly confident of of three of the top four, but um, well, the past less with Chelsea these days. But we, you know, you'd be surprised if they didn't. But but then that last place, it looked really open, and it looks like Arsenal have got as good a chance as any if they can get some form together. And he's by his actions, he's left them short up front, and um, it doesn't look like anything imminently can change that. I think as an Arsenal fan, you've got to be really frustrated by it. I saw a tweet about this yesterday saying that ultimately like their top four challenge looks like it could fizzle out because of like squad management and the stuff behind the scenes, really. I mean, you look at how much work Arteta had to do when he came in and they've done, in my opinion, they've done such a good job with the defence. Like we questioned sort of some, like we questioned the amount of money they spent on Ben White. We questioned Tommy Asu, but like that back four unit looks like really good now. And then you've got the sort of wide players in attack. You've got sort of Martinelli, Saka, you've got Smith rowing behind. Odegaard's been a really good signing, but then you've just got like two key areas of the pitch where they've just ended up a little bit short on options in midfield and up front. Like I went, when I went to the, uh, I was at the Arsenal Man City game on New Year's Day when obviously they played really well and then they had sort of the mad couple of minutes that threw it away. But you've got sort of, you've still got Mohamed Elneny coming off the bench in midfield in a huge game like that. Like, And then up front, you've got Lacazette with Nketiah replacing him. So you've got like, they've done such good business elsewhere, but then they've just ended up really short in a couple of key areas. And if they just had a couple more pieces in those positions, I think they'd they'd be in a position to put in a real sort of challenge for the top four. But as it is, it, unless they can get something something done in the last few days, then I think it's, it's going to be tough. So as an Arsenal fan, you've got to be frustrated that they're, They've missed out on those sort of last couple of pieces, really. Right, just coming back to you, this is something that we spoke about off air before we came live. Um, with regards to that top four uh, race, one thing that that probably three of the four, maybe or, or five even, Rich, I, I don't want to you know de- demean your your lovable wolves too much because obviously they've still got a good chance of finishing there. But at least four of that, uh, three of that five, in Tottenham, in Man United, in Arsenal still have a lot of work to do in this January transfer window between now and, and the time that it shuts on Monday. And you kind of think that these are, those three at least are of this supposed big six cartel that exists in the Premier League. And you kind of think how have they allowed themselves to get in a position for this to, to happen that, you know, a week to go and they still need, you know, between them all probably a centre midfielder, they probably need wing backs at Tottenham, they probably need, you know, strikers or midfielders at Man United, strikers at Arsenal key areas of the pitch, big areas of the pitch. And and as you touched on earlier, you know, this could be do or die when it comes to, to the top four race, you know, as, as in if one team gets that striker that they need, they're in, they're probably going to be the favourites for it. But if they miss out on him, then they could be dropping back down the table altogether. I think with Spurs and Man United, it's just, there's a similarity in, you know, obviously looking at uncertainty around what's happened with the managers. Um, you know, we, 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 we saw Solskjaer's Sort of rain unraveled this season, and we saw Tottenham make a mistake in 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 appointing Nuno, and then now having now corrected that mistake and getting in a good manager in Conte. But he's looking around and he's already thinking, what have I, what have I come into here? So, um, and then United have the uncertainty with with, with Ranić, who we know will not be there, you know, for too long as the, as the manager. So there's a there's uncertainty at, at the top in that sense. Arsenal's a little different, and as we touched on, I think Arteta's let it get away from him a little bit there. But yeah, you're right. Like you look at obviously, you know, the, the the teams above them in the table. They don't have any of this, so they they have that bit more serene, and they look like they've got their ideas have just been in place for a lot longer, and they're not relying on pulling off this late transfer deal to save their season because they just kind of believe in what they do a bit more, and there's more of a 
more of a methodology, more of a culture about the place. Tottenham, Tottenham lost that under Nuno. They're trying to get it back under under Conte, and and you know all signs are that he will. I think he will eventually get them back into a regularly competing top four side. Whether or not it will happen this season remains to be seen. United has been this mess for a couple of years, but you've always presumed that because they're Man United, they'll get back there one day. Um, and then Arsenal, kind of similar, but but you know you question their decisions. So um, yeah, I don't think. I don't think it's as simple as to say one transfer or two transfers will completely make one of these teams the favourites. I think you've got to look at the talent they've already got there. Um, you know, in the squads, and particularly Man United, obviously, but but also Tottenham. Um, yes, they could do with adding a player here and there, and that would complement things. But um, it looks to me to be it's going to be a race that goes to the wire. Um, and yes, okay, maybe one one or two decisions made in this week will 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 have an impact, but I don't think it's the be all and end all. Rich, just before we go uh, today, we're just going to speak a little bit about uh, Aston Villa, and apparently they are looking at Liverpool defender Joe Gomez. And I suppose in a World Cup year, it, it's a move that really makes sense. Villa looking to to strengthen their defence. Gomez not really getting the minutes that he probably craves at Liverpool right now with, with that Qatar World Cup just down the line in, in November. Um, so for both parties, it looks like one of those moves that, that probably could happen because it, it would suit most parties involved in it. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one. I, I really rate Joe Gomez. I think he's a great player when he's fit, but he's obviously had a lot of injury problems over the years and um, yeah, hasn't sort of been, been entirely in favour at Liverpool this season. I mean, I think from a Villa perspective, it'd be a good signing. They've obviously been a bit shaky at the back, but it'd be quite interesting because they've had that sort of, you look at the partnership they've got at the minute and it's mostly sort of Tyron Mings, Esri Konza. I think Esri Konza is a great player. So I think it'd be a shame to see him sort of replaced by Joe Gomez. Um, I think the one, the weak link in that back two is probably Tyron Mings, but we've seen how much of a leader he is in that Villa team. And and although he might make the odd individual error, Villa as a, as a collective unit looks stronger when he's in there, like because he's obviously such a presence on the pitch. So it's going to be a tricky one. I think on the face of it, Joe Gomez would be a really good signing, but I think it'd be interesting to see how, um, well, number one, if they can get him to, to Villa, it'd be a really, really big signing for them. Um, obviously, they've shown plenty of ambition, made some really big signings already. Um and two, it'd be interesting to see how he fits in under Steven Gerrard because, um, yeah, they're, they're one of those, it's one of those, I think, Villa, where, um, yeah, they're, they're quite reliant on Mings' leadership, but then perhaps he could maybe be, be upgraded in some senses. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I, I, I think from a, a personal perspective, it'd be great to see Joe Gomez playing regularly because I think he could be a really, really key player. You mentioned the World Cup. He's probably a bit of an outsider to go at the minute, but if he was to get, of running games under his belt, I think he could be a real, real good player for England at the World Cup. So, yeah, I think he's uh, he just needs a run of games and a run injury free somewhere. And if that's not going to be Liverpool, then it'd be good to see him go somewhere, somewhere like Villa and play. I suppose. Mark, I think we're all in agreement here that that Joe Gomez has the talent. It's just been unfortunate the injuries have, have kind of disrupted him. And there have been times where Jurgen Klopp has trusted him as his uh, go-to centre-half to partner, obviously Virgil Van Dijk uh, in the Liverpool defence, but. Um, even though he's not getting the minutes now, is it still a sign that Steven Gerrard's name and luster, like we've spoken about this in the past with other players, with Felipe Coutinho joining Villa on loan for the season and how much of a of a part Gerrard and his name and, and who he was uh, played in that. 
is this just a further sign that, that players are going to be going to Villa because they want to play for Gerard? They want to be under him. You know, it, it's a big project at the minute as well for Gomez to sign up for. You know, you look at Liverpool challenging for, for top honours uh, in the Premier League, regularly in the Champions League as well. And he's looking to swap that for a team who are currently in mid-table at the minute, were mid-table last season as well, but they're looking to, to kick on. And if Gomez was to go, he, he knows that maybe the first kind of 18 months, two years, won't be the success that he's used to and and that it might take a bit of time for him to get to that level where Aston Villa wants to be. Uh, I think in general on your, on your Gerard point, yeah, I think um, I've been really impressed with him as a manager. He, do, he always comes across in a very authoritative manner and he did as a player but it was slightly different because for so many years uh, as a player at Liverpool he was carrying so much and he you know, basically became the symbol of Liverpool essentially. And it was like he was the reason why they were staying relevant, if you like. And for him to go away uh, as a manager, and it's like when, when he, by the time he left Liverpool, he needed to leave Liverpool, he needed to get away because the two things were almost a little bit unhealthy for each other, if you like. like it was like one was a bit too obsessed with the other. But um, he's gone away and he's worked hard and he's only, you know, you've only got to look at, you know, the player that he always got compared to in uh, Frank Lampard. And I was, you know, it's, it's a year ago today that Frank Lampard got sacked by Chelsea and he's done nothing since. And he's, you know, in terms of how far is he willing to go, how much does he want to be a manager? You know, and Gerard going to Rangers and doing what he did and knuckling down and really, yeah, I mean, you saw him at the weekend, he was loving every second, wasn't he? I know it was Everton, but he, you know, he, he, um, he looked like he absolutely loved it. On this Gomez case, I would be surprised if he went now. I just think Liverpool have got Still got a few too many scars from last season and centre backs to, to 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 let a good one like him go out the door. So I'd be it's it's possibly something to look at in the summer because all the kind of word was at the time his injury was worse than Van Dyke's injury, and that's obviously been proven to be the case. And yes, you know he's kind of labelled as this injury pole player, but it's not like it's you know a hamstring strain here and there or a groin problem. It's big injuries yet. There was a one at Burnley, wasn't there? Didn't he? Was he yeah. shin off the advertising hoarding? Yeah. That's the thing. It is, he's just been unlucky, hasn't he? I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think with this particular one, uh, which he did at England training, wasn't it? And apparently, it's like they, they said from straight away, it's like, this is worse, which the Van Dyke one had been a month earlier. And and then you've got to look at, um, you know, the really impressive form of, of, of Joel Matip this season. So he struggled to get in past him. And Canate, who's come in as well, looks looks every inch a really, a really good signing. So... It's no surprise that he's kind of fallen down the pecking order and maybe it's something that he needs to look at in the summer for his career. But I'd be very surprised if we let him go in this last week. Mark, Rich, thanks so much for joining us this morning to chat for the latest from the January transfer window. Uh, of course, you can keep across all the latest news on the Mirror, the Express and the Star website as well as Rich's regional titles. But for now, it's goodbye. <laughs>